Hello, welcome to some Derps Talk About Games. I'm your co-host, Mango. And I am your co-host, Buddy. And today we're going to announce the winners of the Derpies of 2017. That's this year. But before we do that, Buddy, why don't you the folks at home what it is we do on this podcast? On this podcast, we like to talk about games and also movies and also other stuff. When it piques our fancy, it's our podcast, so sometimes we do different things. Okay, the Derpies. Uh... So there are really no rules when it comes to the derpies. The only rule being essentially that one of us creates a category, fills that category, and then passes it off to the other who then has to create, uh, or who then has to fill that category on the spot. And we bounce back and forth, making no kind of consistent. I mean, the derpies last year were completely different than the derpies two years ago, and will probably be completely different than the derpies this year. Yeah, with the uh, exception that we start off with our game of the year. That's true. We always start off with game of the year. All right. I'm actually um, pretty sure I know what your game of the year is, but I'm interested to see if I'm right. Oof. All right. Well, <laughs> why, 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 why don't you take a guess? Why don't you take a guess what my game okay, of the year is? Okay, my guess is your game of the year is PUBG. How could it not. not be? What? It is not. How no. could it not be PUBG? Uh, because the game of the year is the most well-crafted game this year, and that is Super Mario Odyssey. Oh, fuck. I... You're right. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I, uh, I just assumed. Uh, but yeah, so Super Mario Odyssey um, is my game of the year because I think it is, is probably the most perfectly crafted platformer uh, that has ever come out, I can think. Wow. Um, wow. Uh, it oh. is... Uh, <laughs> like, it's got a great combination of, uh, of new... Um, and old and it's it's just got like these little things where like every time you think like there could be a secret up there there's always something right there's always like a hidden coin at the very least um it is wonderful it has great new mechanics it is it captured my attention in my heart for the hours that i played it it is simple enough to do a lot of the 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 lesser category or like the the kind of like lower content if you don't want to get too deep into it, it's got lots of challenge. If you really want to challenge yourself, it is not flawless, but it is pretty damn near to it. And so Super Mario Odyssey gets my game of the year. Wow. Jeez. Fair enough. You know, I have to say, if there is anything, if there's anything that's like most improved for me this year, it's probably my opinion of Nintendo. Because like, I, I guess I live in a world where consoles are just fundamentally different from what Nintendo thinks like consoles are, right? And, um, and insofar as I don't have any, like, nostalgia for Nintendo. And I defy... You know what I mean? Like, I think of consoles in a different way than they do, and so I've had a lot of antipathy towards, you know, towards the way that they run their business kind of thing. Um, but, like, the, the Switch is maybe the best version of... It's probably the thing that makes me reconsider my approach to consoles, which was always kind of like, you get a console if you can't afford, like, a powerful gaming PC, you know what I mean? And so it should be able to play basically all of the games that are coming out. Exclusives are kind of uh, nice, but secondary towards it, you know what I mean? And all that other kind of thing, which I think is a very kind of, like, seventh generation. Like, that's what the Xbox 360 and PS3 were looking to do. Um, but nowadays, you know, building a powerful gaming PC is not incredibly hard. It's not incredibly uh, uh, expensive. Um, the consoles are much more expensive. And the Switch is the only thing that's out there that's really like, this is different. You can't, this is not just a PC that you plug into your television, right? Uh, and so, and, and, then they, and then they've put out a bunch of games that are like, I don't know, legit. Like Breath of the Wild is, 
I don't know. I, I am interested. I don't know if I'll ever get a Switch because I'm so hard in that PC Master Race now that I have my, like, mega powerful uh, machine, but one day I'll probably end up playing Super yeah, Mario Odyssey. Uh, I was going to say this. The Switch might be good for you to, like, take to work and play on your yeah, bike yeah. or something. Yeah, exactly. That that would definitely be, like, right up right up the alley for what makes the Switch, like, yeah. And, that, and that's kind of the, uh, the, uh, the, the kind of, like, the, the biggest selling point of of or like the the biggest praise I've I've heard heaped on the Switch, um, is that like it's great for kind of like playing in short bursts on the go, uh, but uh, you know enough about this the the Switch for the moment. What was your game of the year? Do you could you can you guess my game of the year? Oof, um, I feel like it's insanely obvious, but like it's obvious because it's been my game of the year. You know what I mean? Like I've been living with oh them, so. oh is it uh is it Total War Warhammer Two? Yeah, what you know, like what else could it possibly be? Yeah. Total War Warhammer Two. As somebody that is, uh, you know, deep, deep in like strategy games, right? Um, and uh, and I really appreciate kind of like all of the different complexities and everything. Like Total War Warhammer Two is probably one of the best, if not the best, strategy game uh, I've ever played. Just from the perspective of it covers so many aspects of what makes strategy appealing, right? It has these real-time aspects that come from, you know, games like StarCraft and Age of Empires, right? It has the campaign map from stuff like, you know, Civilization. You have to manage an economy. At the same time, you have to manage a military um, and everything like that. And it's just... And, and, and there's, there's the, you know, there's the connection that I make to my generals, right? And my agents, right? Uh, that, uh, that you get from something like, uh, like a squad based, like an XCOM, something like that. Like it just combines like all of these different kinds of play when it comes to, uh, when it comes to strategy games and I can't help but love it for that. Um, the game came out only in what, October, September? I don't even, you know, yeah, I don't even yeah. remember. Um, and I've already logged 137 hours in it. It's one of my most played games ever on Steam, right? Probably the quickest game to get to that kind of level of playtime for me. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. This is actually two years in a row that I gave it to a Total War Warhammer game. Um, unfortunately, the, bi the big thing that sucks about Total War Warhammer 2 is that they, they kind of revealed some behind-the-scenes stuff about how they, the differences between how they built Total War Warhammer 1 and Total War Warhammer 2. And... Um, the uh their their ability to kind of backfill Norska has been really hampered by those differences and there's just and that's kind of like cascaded off into like other delays and everything we're getting the tomb kings in january i think which is about three months after release and is and is on par for stuff uh but they said that Norska, which was initially going to come about a month after um is probably going to be in may of next year because they basically have to remake the DLC from the ground up uh, just because it's incompatible with, uh, with like, the Total War Warhammer um, uh, So are you talking about product. for Mortal Empires? Yeah, 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 for Mortal Empires, right? Okay. Um, basically, they, they were talking about it because, because development on Total War Warhammer 2 started when Norska was... Um, also being made right like there was kind of this uh, this development overlap inside of the team um they rebuilt uh how they they kind of processed 
you know, information just like in a general way. And they thought that they would just kind of be able to merge the merge the builds and merge in Norska without any problems. Um, but because Norska was like kind of integrated into the Warhammer 1 base after the Warhammer 2 base was being kind of made and there was this fundamental shift, um, it created just slews and slews of bugs. And then for a while they were like, well, let's just debug it, you know, kind of piece by piece. But then eventually they realized that they were just like going through like lines of code, uh, like just line by line to redo it. And they were like, it's just, we just should basically remake the DLC for Warhammer 2 at that point. Um, that is, so, you know, that that's the thing that I can tell you is like a very real kind of thing that happens in the programming world um and uh kind of in in that uh in, in that vein it, it's i think it's good that they've got it out there because i think it helps with people who aren't programmers understanding why sometimes this stuff is the way it is yeah um and i think that i think on kind of like a, a global level that's good for for people to understand that you know you can't just like you know like you know make it work you know like you, like the things aren't as, as necessarily easily tunable as uh as, as as you know randos think they are yeah i'm super excited for uh what you know like what comes down the pike with short of war uh, i have a lot of faith in creative assembly i think that they do some pretty excellent work they, ha they also have like new historical games coming out um which is which is cool because i haven't actually touched the historical side of yeah, things yeah. for a while um but, uh, but, yeah, so that's my game of the year. All right. Uh, do, do you have a category uh, teed up? Cause I yeah, sure. I mean, well, so the, 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 the next uh, – I feel like the next natural category that we should just get out of the way right up front is, uh, like, movie of the year. Oh, okay. Since we, since, we, since, since we have diversified ourselves into movies quite a bit this year, um, and I, I assume that that's a trend that's going to be ongoing um, to a certain extent. That we, uh, we should canonize movie of the year as a cost, yeah, I guess consistent we should, one? Yeah, I'm down yeah, with that. Yeah, I guess so, yeah. All right. Uh, you want to go first with this one? Yeah. So my movie of the year, and I really, I have to say, I have really agonized about this. Um, and even now, I'm second guessing myself as I'm a little bit stalling for time, just to be like, wait, are you are you sure? Are you sure this is what you want to go with? Uh, but my movie of the year, I think I'm gonna have to end up going with Wonder Woman. Oof. Um, this is really this is really tough. Um, but like Wonder Woman is a movie that, first of all. I, I think Wonder Woman is kind of like uh, the the DCEU movie blueprint that I like, right? It shoots action the way that I like them to shoot actions. It talks. It has like thematic ideas the way that I want them to have thematic ideas. It goes big, you know what I mean? Uh, the way that I like the, these movies kind of like uh, kind of go big, but it also has the same kind. But but it, but it doesn't have the the flaws um, that come from right like like a Zack Snyder kind of guy, right? Or a David Iyer kind of guy, uh, if that makes sense. Um, where like the the and, and it was it also wasn't like mangled mangled by the studio, right? Like where, you know, the story makes sense from point A to point B, right? And I can't believe that that's like a like a selling point here, right? But it's not one of those things where you have to go back and watch it two more times just to get an understanding of kind of like what's going on or whatever, right? It all makes sense on the page. Um, and, uh, and character motivations are clear and just, I, I was, I was like sucked up and, and wrapped into the drama, um, and the pathos, 
um, and the character. And so I feel like for a lot of people, uh, Wonder Woman was a good movie, right? It was, you know what I mean? Like a lot of people really liked this movie, but they also complained about things. And the things that they were complaining about are the things that I love about these uh, like these DC movies, like people have complained a lot about the ending, right? And they're like, yeah, it kind of goes off the rail at the end or whatever. And I'm like, no, that's when it gets awesome. You know what I mean? Like, yes, I want these, like, I like it when the fights get big. These are gods, right? Um, and they should have God level fights and there should be God, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I think, and so that stuff is, um, is the stuff that I'm really down for. And so in a way with the, DCEU as a whole, Wonder Woman is this flagship of like, this is what it looks like when it is done, uh, when it's done right, when it's done uh, really, really well. Um, <clears throat> and I want to say that the movie that it beat out, right, the movie that it's always, that it's been neck and neck with is uh, Blade Runner 2049. Um, just because, I, you know, I actually, it would have been Blade Runner if I hadn't have rewatched Wonder Woman. When I rewatched Wonder Woman a second time and I was like, oh, wait, this is, this is much better than I, you know, like, there's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff here that I missed the first time around, right? Um, and, uh, and maybe I would need to see Blade Runner again, because uh, I've seen, I haven't seen it twice because it's not out on, uh, like, Blu-ray or anything yet, right? I think it might have just come out, but I think that's an excellent segue because I think mine's going to go to Blade Runner 2049. Oof. Um... Uh, like the the one I'm fighting with it in my head about is is John Wick Chapter Two. Just because oh, wow. I yeah wow um, you that know, came out this year yeah it was early in the year and you know I I love I love me some John Wick but uh, Blade Runner twenty forty nine I think just kind of hit me in all the right ways um, it, it feels like a masterpiece um, in terms of like you know like Oscar bait and whatnot and that's that besides the point like uh, just really like hit me in a way that, like, I didn't expect it to. Um, I kind of expected a little bit more, like, I expected it to more kind of, like, be like Blade Runner, the first one to me, which was kind of, like, cool, but, like, ultimately um, a little bit off base. But th th this movie just kind of hit me in all the right ways, and, and I, um, I I really soaked... It's a movie that you can kind of soak in, right? Like, that you can just kind of, like, lay down and, like, let, let it seep into your pores, um... Especially in the theater with the, uh, uh, you know, the, the sound direction and whatnot, um, and uh, yeah, um, it's it's you know because like it, it beat out also like like the high on that list for me is all things like Baby Driver and, and whatnot, but uh, uh, I, I don't know what else I could say about Blade Runner twenty forty nine other than I th I think that uh, Ryan Gosling gave a uh, 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 masterful performance and. Uh, yeah, and uh, yeah, I, I I don't know if I can say anything else about it. Um, I just really liked really liked kind of basking in that movie. I feel that I actually I really I really uh, I really feel that I really love Blade Runner twenty forty nine, and it's it's tough because there's like really nothing I can say that's wrong about that movie. Like even it's it's another one of those things where. Um, uh, like, like folks got mad at like Jared Leto's performance or how sometimes like the story kind of stops dead so that someone can kind of like wax philosophical or whatever. And to me, you know, and I like, and I understand that impulse, right? Like, I, cause I'm a really action oriented kind of like guy and I like the plot to be moving forward at a really steady pace and everything like that. Um, but with that and with the last Jedi with the, like Canto bite, it seems like people have kind of lost their tolerance for like the, you know, like the, the story 
making indulgences for reasons that are other than plot, right? Yeah. For, like, a character thing or, like, a thematic thing or whatever. And I really appreciate uh, that 2017 has kind of been, like, a little bit of a resurgence in that stuff in movies. Because uh, maybe we've been a little too plot-focused. Who knows? Um, but anyway, I guess we should get to the real f- stuff, the, fu- the, the fun stuff. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. Um, well, I'll start it off then. Okay. Um, the first category is going to be best trash fire, and that is going to go to <laughs> player unknowns battlegrounds. <laughs> That's funny. Best trash fire. Yeah. Um, player unknowns battlegrounds is a wonderful, amazing game that gave us this vibrant new genre. Um, really compelling gameplay. Really compelling, uh, like. Uh, thematics and just and, and like well cr- well crafted in terms of like tugging at your uh, kind of like play like your, your player instincts, uh, but it's janky as shit. Um, it is it is kind of like probably the 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 worst thing to happen to video games in terms of what publishers can get away with if the you know if the core game is good enough because that game in a lot of ways is kind of non functional. Um, but it's still good enough to, to overcome that, and that's crazy. Um, and and uh, and you know I I put two hundred and sixty something hours into the game, and I love it. But I can't say it's anything but like a, a glorious burning trash fire. <laughs> okay. Uh interesting. I feel like I don't know. I feel like I feel like Battlegrounds is. I, maybe I'm giving it a lot of credit for being an early access because it just just released. You know what I mean? Like as a full game. Yeah, but and it's even still then, trash it's still fire. Pretty, yeah, even then, it's still pretty jank. Uh, you know, that's it, fair. That's real. I is, think that's I think that's a big underlying issue for why the the Fortnite PUBG uh, rivalry has cropped up so much. Like a lot of people in PUBG seem to seem. They're, they're flabbergasted, like, oh, why would anybody go for Fortnite? But, like, Fortnite is pretty polished, you know what yes. I mean? And I think it's easy for someone to say, you know what, I like these core systems and I like this core these core mechanics and everything like that, uh, but I'm going to go with the more polished option. Plus it has this, like, weird, wanky building thing. Yeah. Um, and I'm excited for the genre to potentially expand, um, but there's a lot of bad things that are come out of this, too. Like... Uh, we got our first early access Xbox One game, and it's selling really well, and it's still fun to play, but it's not a thing that should really be acceptable. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. But it is, you know, and, it, you know, I, I, you know, I helped this, I bought it for my brother for, for Christmas, uh, and so, you know, the things will keep getting worse until, you know, they're, they're terrible forever. Um, so, yeah. Okay, I'm pretty sure my best trash fire is Justice League. Uh Oof. It's just Oof. unfortunate, you know what I mean? Like, it's it's unfortunate because, like, I want, you know, like, this is the big screen debut, right, of my favorite superhero, probably, like, my favorite just, like, character of all time, right? This is, this is when Aquaman hits the screen. He's played by Jason Momoa, who I think is great. You know, it, it was directed by two guys, Zack Snyder and Joss Whedon, uh, of whom I like quite a bit. My favorite Marvel movie uh, has for a long time been Age of Ultron, which is Joss Whedon, right? You know, obviously, I love Man of Steel and Batman v Superman, but there's just, you know, I if, like, there's a lot of reasons that that movie didn't come together, and there's, like, problems with it. And for <clears throat> for a movie like Batman v Superman, 
Uh, I was really willing to kind of... First of all, I was willing to overlook a lot of the problems because I thought that they were kind of sourced in bad things we talked about this a little bit off the cast in the terms of the last jedi like people being uh like disappointed or angry with kind of the luke skywalker that they got and i and i use this analogy right that like you know you can't if somebody if somebody if somebody gives you zd right you can't complain about that being bad spaghetti because you really wanted spaghetti right you know what i mean you got the zd and the zd is either good or it is bad right uh but the you know, but there, there's a lot of people who complain because the ZD is not spaghetti, right? And I think to a certain extent that that's a lot of the complaints that go into, you know, Man of Steel and Batman versus Superman, right? Like, people want Superman to be spaghetti and then they get fed Zack Snyder's ZD, right? And I think that he does a pretty good job with that ZD, but that's also not the same Superman that Christopher Reeves is or the animated cartoon is or, you know, even the comics are to a certain extent, right? Just because adaptation is adaptation kind of thing. Um... But Justice League doesn't have those same doesn't have that leg to stand on, right? You know, I, you can't really make that argument about Justice League just because I think the problems are that much more endemic and the studio meddling, right? And a lot of the humor was like really bad, like I, you know, that brunch joke or whatever was just really awful <laughs> on the back end of it, right? And and you know, and it's the best trash fire because I think it still does a lot of cool stuff well, right? You know, for as little as we get of it, Batman having a death wish because he inadvertently caused Superman to die and he feels this insane guilt over, you know, his actions in the last movie. That's actually really cool. That's pretty neat. I wish that they had actually done that well. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, and you can just feel that there's a lot of stuff that got left on the, uh, on the cutting room floor. Uh, tomorrow, there's going to be a bunch of people protesting outside of the... the Warner Brothers lot in LA uh, for the release of a Zack Snyder cut of the film, uh, which I wish them the best. I wish I could attend. Yeah. What uh, would you say? A bunch of people? Do you mean like people? I, I don't know. Maybe I, it's, people are mostly making fun of it on the internet because it's something related to these movies, and they are uh, they are a magnet for jeers. Um, but, however, you know what I mean? Like, I, I think that, like, I think that these are movies that have, uh, that have a pretty dedicated fan base. I am one of, I am a fan of, uh, of them. Uh, and it's definitely disappointing that, that Justice League kind of got so, so mangled. It got set on fire and it is, it got set on fire for being trash. Anyway, so, uh, the next category is... What would you say is the best thing that we didn't review or talk about directly, you know what I mean, like as a, as a, as a, like a podcast episode this year? Oh, huh. Well, you've got to go first so I can think okay. of this. My, my pick for this is one of my favorite movies of the year, even though it is pretty far down in terms of best. You know, like, I've talked about this before. There's a difference between best and favorites. Um, one of my favorite movies of this year is Kong Skull Island. I saw this. Um, and maybe this is just because I saw this in a particular set of circumstances. So when we did our Logan episode, right, I obviously had to go see Logan the weekend that it came out. It was also the same weekend that Kong Skull Island was out. Uh, and I went to go see it with friend of the cast Warren and his girlfriend. We had a nice double date. It was great. We saw Logan. We all saw Logan together. I came out of it and I was like, yeah, that movie was really supposed to be old yeller, but whatever. It was a pretty good kind of thing. Uh, and then I went in uh, with Rachel for a showing of Kong Skull Island that was immediately... Uh, it was immediately afterwards, right? 
And it is this, it's this King Kong movie, but it's unlike any other King Kong movie that's really come out because like, they just really went wild with the premise of a giant, the, the ape is much, much bigger, right? And the whole thing is this huge metaphor for Vietnam. Um, and it's just like, in the same way that I was talking about uh, a couple of weeks ago on the cast, that Pacific Rim would have been a better movie if it was a worse movie, right? Like, if it was a little trashier, if it didn't really care about, like, characters and, and stuff like that, you know what I mean? Like, it would have been a better movie. Kong Skull Island is kind of the blueprint for what I mean by that. Kong Skull Island doesn't have great characters, right? Tom Hiddleston's character in that movie is a Mary Sue in the exact same way that we always talk about Ray being a Mary Sue, right? Um... But it kind of doesn't matter because the this is a movie where Kong attaches a chain to a to a ship propeller and uses it as a flail to beat the shit out of a mountain-sized lizard, right? You know what I mean? There's a stick bug, but it's a it's a log bug because it's the size of a log, right? And it's just it's great, you know, like it's it, the characters die randomly you think that it's gonna be like a character is about to make a heroic sacrifice or he's about to make an important discovery and then it's just like no there's a fucking monster in there and it eats him it's got beautiful colors excellent cinematography um the reason i was turned on to the movie is because uh of the cinematography of larry fong who's the guy that shot 300 um bvs watchman right he, he and Zack snyder went to school together and they're like frequent collaborators and he couldn't do justice because he did kong skull island and i was like well i want to see what he he does. Coxcall Island is great. I, I recommend everybody pick it up. It is, I it's it's just one of the best. It's one of the best experiences I've had at a movie uh, all year, and I really wanted to shout it out. All right. Um, am I allowed to do something that uh, we talked about briefly, but wasn't like a, a full episode? Yeah, yeah. I just mean like not like the episode topic. You know what I okay. mean? Okay. Um, in that case, I'm going to go with uh. Uh, Makoto Shinkai's Your Name, the anime film. Because, um, uh, I, you know, I'm not, like, I, I enjoy anime, obviously, but I'm not super big into the film scene or whatever. Um, but, uh, you know, everybody was talking about it, um, including, uh, you know, people who normally talk about this kind of thing, like, like, like uh, I'm a fan of uh, Mother's Basement. Um but even people who, who aren't typically, like, big anime talkers, like uh, Super Bunny Hop was talking about it. And uh, at some point I decided I just had to see it. And uh, it's it's a beautiful film. The animation is gorgeous. And the story is incredible. Um, it's got a great twist halfway through that just totally took me by surprise. Um, uh, that, uh, you, you you know, you, I, I encourage anybody who hasn't had that spoiled for them to go see it. Um... It is uh, got great theming. It's it's a movie that doesn't like. While there is a lot of like cool kind of like the, like Japanese culture signifiers, it's not one that you need to be steeped in Japanese culture to understand. Um, it's just it, it's it's uh, kind of wholesome, which is a thing that isn't always the case with 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 these movies, especially for Makoto Shinkai is is well known for having. Movies that are kind of, uh, uh, th th that end badly, uh, for the characters. Um, this one has a, has a relatively positive ending. Uh, and, you know, I, I was just kind of blown away by it, by the story, by the visuals, by the, uh, by, by everything. Um, and, uh, 
You know what? I, I can't speak its praises enough. So, yeah, it's, it's got to be your name. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, well, uh, uh, if that's the case, I guess the ball's back in my court. Uh, and I'm going to go with best genre bender. Um, and that, and I'm going to award that to uh, Neo, uh, which came out in the beginning of the year for PlayStation 4 and just came out for PC. Um, and uh, I'm giving it a genre bender because it is a Souls-like game, ostensibly. But it has a bunch of new things, um, and it kind of bends in kind of most prominently a lot of loot game aspects from, like, say, Diablo. Um, you know, the traditional Souls model has, like, you picking up, like, individual weapons and kind of, like, building out a playstyle around them. And kind of, like, the advanced stuff comes in your new game, plus you already have everything. But uh, uh, Neo uh, has a very complex and deep loot game, complete with, like, magic weapons and, like, item sets. Um and uh, a really kind of, like, complex uh, skill tree that you don't get in, in, in uh, Souls games with, like, different abilities. Um, and it's a really cool direction for a Souls-like game to go in, uh, which is kind of like these extra layers of, of RPG elements that you don't typically see that kind of let you uh, uh, define your character uh, better and, uh, like, customize your character more. Um, and it's a ton of fun. Um, and it... it, it it captures kind of the essence of soul. It's one of the few, if maybe only games to capture, uh, the souls like kind of experience, uh, without overdoing it or, or getting it wrong. Like, uh, Lords of the Fallen and the surge kind of like, uh, missed the mark a little bit. Um, and so, uh, you know, both, you know, it's, it's impressive enough on its own for being a souls game, not made by FromSoft. Um, but also for incorporating all these cool other elements into it uh, that are that are just super fun. Uh, so yeah, Neo. That that's my that's my best genre bender. Man, what is a good genre bender? That is an interesting. I I'm, I'm like because I'm thinking about games and I'm just like, did this bend enough of the genre that I got into it? Um, I think I'm gonna have to go with Dark as a Dungeon. Uh, okay. which technically I think came out last year, but I only played it for the first time this year. Um, the, the cool thing about Darkest Dungeon, I think from like a genre bending perspective, um, is that it, it incorporates that, um, it kind of blends three genres together, I think. One of them is kind of the atmospherics of, um, you know, something like, uh, like a Telltale game, you know what I mean? Like, like an adventure game almost. Because there is that, like, voiceover, like, or, like, Bastion also kind of had a little bit of this going for it. You know what I mean? Where it has that, like, that voiceover and the art aesthetic really, like, gets into, uh, like, gets into it and the way certain things in that game, you know, like, like, like play out at, at a kind of fundamental level. Um, but what I think it is at the end of the day is the, 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 the genre fusion that it's going for is the roguelite aspects um, and the turn-based, you know, these like turn-based RPG aspects. Um, or even kind of like, you know what I mean? Like like squad-based strategy kind of aspects. Like there's a lot of shared DNA between something like Darkest Dungeon um, and, you know, something like XCOM. But whereas XCOM, you know what I mean? Like the, your guys will die is like a big moment of kind of like pathos, right? In Darkest Dungeon, that's a 
part of the like atmospheric like horror that it's going for. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. And I feel absolutely. like that's the that's the place where it kind of uh, it twists the screw and it finds its own uniqueness, right? Um, and it delivers on that pretty well. I didn't spend a ton of time with Darkest Dungeon. I spent about 15 hours with it. Uh, I didn't even get close to the Darkest Dungeon um, itself. Um, but uh, but I, I do remember I, I just had I had a really I had a really awesome time with it. Um, and it was one of the first times that I've been able to kind of connect with Lovecraftian, you know, this, like, psychological horror in a game. Um, I've always had, you know, my, my philosophy has been that it's impossible to do that kind of stuff in most games because most games are power fantasies, right? It's really hard to do Lovecraftian horror in... Um, uh, in a game like Pathfinder because the fundamental mechanics of Pathfinder, you know, suggest a theme that if you work hard and you try, you will get better and stronger and stronger and you'll be able to defeat anything including, like, crazy, like, Elder Gods, whereas I feel like the psychological horror that, like, undermine, like underlies, like, Lovecraftian shit is you are a meaningless, tiny speck of nothing in the fucking universe. Right? You know what I mean? And Darkest Dungeon, because it was so focused on killing these dudes, driving them insane, right? Making this, like, just, like, any kind of progress hard um, uh, for you and your team or whatever. I think it delivered on that uh, better than anything I've ever seen. Uh, so I, I, I'll, give that, I'll give that bad boy to Darkest Dungeon. Yeah. Um, I, I would actually just, just like to... Uh, to tell people that if, if you're interested in, in, in uh, hearing a little bit about some of the stuff behind Darkest Dungeon, Designer Notes is a podcast, um, and their most recent two episodes were with Tyler Sigmund, uh, Tyler Sigmund of Darkest Dungeon. Um, they don't only talk about that, um, they talk about some of his previous projects too, but there is some cool stuff in there about Darkest Dungeon, so if you want to hear some stuff from kind of the, the mouth of the... Of, of, of the designer, I, I would recommend going and, and finding that. I'll put a, a link in the, in the description to that. Um, but yeah, I I played. I have not played Darkest Dungeon since um, for a couple of years. I think I, I it was in early access for a while, um, uh, and so uh, uh, I also enjoyed the game a lot. I definitely feel what you're talking about, but I don't think I've got anything else to add to it. So uh, I guess the ball's in your court for the uh, next category. Fair enough. Uh, well, in the same kind of vein as Darkest Dungeon, Darkest Dungeon is a game that came out last year that I only played this year. Um, what is, uh, like, like what's your best game, uh, or I guess, like, movie or anything, uh, that didn't come out this year, but that you experienced for the first time uh, this year? Uh, my answer to this question, probably actually outside of Darkest Dungeon, just because I just talked about it, um, is, uh, is Factorio. Factorio's been in early access for a long time, uh, uh, for a while, and it's had, like, kind of a small, very dedicated following. Um... I actually just picked it back up the other day, uh, just kind of because, um, but there is really nothing that matches, like, the intense drive I had to play that game as soon as I, as soon as I started, right? Like, I think I just watched, like, a YouTube video from, like, Quill18 or whatever, um, uh, that started, you know, where he just, like, the first video of one of his, like, Factorio games, and I was like, oh, like, this looks, like, pretty cool or whatever, and then I bought it on sale, and then I started playing it, uh, I started playing it co-op with Rachel, that was, like, the big thing, and we were immediately just inexorably, like, hooked, 
um, where all of our free time was just kind of like, well, can we like squeak in a couple of hours of like Factorio? And it lasted for about a week. Um, and once I beat the game, I don't know that I've ever felt the same kind of catharsis at finishing, like at finishing a game like the one that I that I felt when I finished um, Factorio. Um, but uh, once it was over, I was just kind of. I, yeah, like, I was exhausted, right, um, because I had, I don't know, I had, I had, I had put all of this, I had put all of this time into the game, and it was so consuming, and when I finally, you know, like, the end of the game is you, you launch a rocket ship and go into, you know, like, go into space or whatever, uh, once I reached that, I was just like, oh my god, it's, it's, it's over, I've won, and, and that's not a bad thing, by the way, right, like, that's not, that's not like I, you know, uh, it's not like I like broke an addiction or something like that. It's just that like I really wanted to accomplish this thing, and I and I did, and it felt uh, it felt amazing. Um, Factorio is a game where um, you learn it as you play, and that is a lot of the fun of Factorio. Um, I don't think Factorio would be as fun a game um, if I knew the best way, like the best route. You know what I mean? Or the most efficient designs or anything like that. Um, and so I really recommend that anybody who gets into this game just be, you know what I mean? Make inefficient shit at first and then make more efficient shit and then, and then make more efficient shit after that. You know what I mean? Um, and really like work your, work your way through that kind of difficulty curve because that is the curve to the game. Once you figure out the most, uh, the, the, the most effective ways to do what, what you want to do in the game, um, that's kind of when it almost loses its appeal. And that's not, a, that's not a bad thing. That's actually kind of a selling point. You know what I mean? And I like that there is a game out there that's like, just get more and more efficient and figure your shit out and don't look online and don't look at the wiki. You know what I mean? Uh, so yeah. All right. Um, huh. I'm trying to think of, uh, what it is for me, I don't have a super strong answer. Um, mostly because the biggest the biggest thing I got into this year. You know what? Okay, this is what I'll give it to. I'm going to give it to The Dark Tower Book 1. Uh, <laughs> I was about to be like, what? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know yeah, what not, not the movie, but um, what's The Gunslinger. Um, that book is excellent um and kind of masterful in its storytelling um and i can understand why people were so excited for the series based on that book um and the whole series i think isn't great um as you can go listen to our dark tower uh movie episode which a large portion of it is me ranting about the dumb things in the books but um uh the first like the first book is it has some some cool storytelling and Despite the flaws of the later parts of the series, when you go back and read or think about that first book after having finished the series, there's some also some really cool kind of implications to it. It explains a lot. Um, and it's just kind of, it's it's uh, really well put together. There's great world building, great stuff that's kind of there. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know if I could go into it super deep without, uh, without spoiling it, but it, it's 
it's it's it's a book where a lot of cool stuff happens before it gets kind of like weird and, and stupid that it does in the later books. Um, and it's it's uh, what's what's the uh, the first line is something like hold, hold on uh, just because it, it, it captures it so so well. Uh, uh, the man in black fled across the desert and the gunslinger followed. Uh, like that just like encapsulates the book so perfectly and just like puts you on such like a, a, a trail for this epic adventure. It's 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 great. Uh, you know it's it's I, I highly recommend that book to to anyone. I uh, don't know no, less less about rest of the series, but but the uh, the gunslinger absolutely. Fair enough. Fair enough. I'm I'm glad that I'm glad that we at least got something good out of that. Um, uh, yeah. I'm actually being overly hard to the Dark Tower. The Dark Tower is just very middling. It's not. Oh uh, no, I think it, I think it's really bad. Like I, I don't I don't think I don't think it gets middling status. Oh really? Uh, yeah. Um. Uh yeah, but uh, I don't want to talk about that movie. Uh, <laughs> uh so I'm gonna go with uh. What I want to, I'm going to go with uh, best story, and I'm going to give it to Near Automata, uh, just because, uh, or not just because, but I really loved Near Automata. I thought it was a wonderful game. Uh, I think in a year where there wasn't so many other great games coming out alongside of it, uh, it might have taken my game of the year. Um, but uh, uh, Yokotaro is is one of the few auteurs in the gaming industry. I feel. Uh, mm. and, uh, it was only with this game that his kind of vision was truly realized. He got paired with a studio that could really do really compelling gameplay to combine with his kind of like weird, but, but great overarching story vision. I, I like to say that like, um, you know, uh, in kind of like parallels, right? Like, uh, like, like, uh, Shigeru Miyamoto's kind of like Steven Spielberg, and uh, and Hideo Kojima is maybe like a Darren Aronofsky, and uh, Yoko Taro is like a David Lynch, and it's uh, uh, and he it's it's just so weird, but so like deep when you look when you look at it in the, in the right ways, and also like the, the weird interconnections to Drakengard and Near mm. One, um, and and all of that is just it's just so spectacular also the, the characters are so rich and there's so much there to dig into and they, they feel real um and you know not that characters have to be deeply flawed in order for for them to be good but their flaws feel real and they feel well executed and uh it's it's just a game that's an emotional roller coaster it it evokes a lot of them it's, it's just really well done all the way through all of the five main endings. Um, and, uh, yeah, uh, I, I don't know if there's anything else for me to say about it, but, uh, uh, you know, the great gameplay combined with just, like, with, with Yoko Taro's, like, pure, like, great vision, I, I just think, you know, it's... I, I loved it. I want to say something like Hearthstone, by the way. Just to kind for of best like, story? because I've never actually, I, I don't know that we've actually talked about this on the podcast. Like, this is something I was a lot harder on in college. You remember my like thing about that, like every video game definitionally has a story, right? 
that like Tetris has a story. We've argued about this a couple of times, yeah, but like yeah. years and years ago. I, I still hold true to this. We just haven't talked about it in a while, and I almost want to take an opportunity. We should do an episode on yeah, that, Yeah, we though. probably should. <laughs> I want to so bad, though. Um, uh, but um, I guess my best story... Um, so the best story that I want to highlight um, is not actually a game. Uh, it's a TV show called Mindhunter. Did I talk about Mindhunter on the podcast? Oh, came briefly out the, in the back section, yeah. Yeah, so at the end of October, this television show on Netflix came out. Okay, it's called Mindhunters. Um, it's based on uh, a book called Mindhunters, which is was written by one of the first criminal profilers uh, for the FBI, right? Essentially, the FBI kind of realized that, like, Serial killers were not just one-off, you know what I mean? Like, they're not just one-off people. Like, there are patterns even to those, like, sociopaths, psychopaths, whatever, you know. Um, and the way that they, you know, like, the way that they approach the world and, the, like, the way that they killed. Um, and so, essentially, two guys uh, in, like, the behavioral sciences division in the 70s went out and interviewed all of these serial killers in... Um, in prisons across the U.S. and started kind of like compiling like psychological profiles to try and see what you know what I mean like th not like future crime if that makes sense but like predictive a little bit of like what are the traits that one might be looking for if they were looking for someone who has uh, you know killed multiple times kind of thing right um, the reason it caught my attention ironically is because it was executive produced by Charlize Theron who I've always really liked. Uh, and I guess she had, like, an interview or something, or maybe, like, an AMA or something like that, where she talked about how she was getting into being a producer, and her first thing was this Mindhunter television show, which she was doing with David Fincher, who is one of my boys, always and forever, one of my favorite directors of all time. Um, and this is the big project that he's working on, uh, you know, after his most recent movie, which was Gone Girl in 2014. Mindhunters is uh, so good. It might be... The best television I've seen in maybe since like Breaking Bad ended. You know what I mean? Just like, oh my God, is it so compelling from the very first minute and so complex. And there's so much, there's just so much stuff going on underneath the surface. Um, and it, it is simultaneously, you know, like uh, it's, it's just got, it's one of those, it's one of those TV shows uh, that's like, you know, it, it just has so much going on and it is talking about so many different things. You know what I mean? Um, how police approach criminals, right? Is there uh you know, like, like people quote that, that Nietzsche quote, right? That when you gaze into the abyss, the abyss gazes also into you. You know what I mean? Like, is there any truth to that idea? Right. Do you have to, be, when you are spending all of your time talking to serial killers, are you becoming more like one yourself? Is your ability to empathize with these people, like, a sign that something is wrong? You know what I mean? And this is, this is just, like, one track that it goes on. It talks about the feminist movement in the 1970s, right? And what, you know, uh, and what, like, the family structure and this idea of, like, the nuclear family in the 70s looked like, right? Uh, it talked about political issues in the 70s, right, when it came to... Um, you know, this is just 10 years after like civil rights and all this stuff. So it's just so much stuff going on in this, in this fucking TV show, um, uh, that I wanted to, I wanted to give it as big of a shout out as I possibly could. Uh, and I think it probably was the best story that, uh, that I saw this year. I watched it pretty much 10 hours, just like front to back, you know, it's like 10 hour long episodes, uh, because I was just so like hooked, um, 
from the very first, you know, from the very first scene. Uh, but then I guess it passes back to me. Uh, I want to know what your what's what's your biggest disappointment for this year? Like, what's the thing that you're just like, man? <laughs> yep. Well, you you started out, and I'll well, well I. Uh, mine is Destiny Two, which is hard that it's that I you know that that I that I that I would call it the biggest disappointment because I didn't even spend real money on it. You know what I mean? I I made sixty bucks in like wow gold money, but honestly at this point I'm kind of like man I should just fucking spent that on like, you know I don't know like fucking like wow mounts or something like that. Um, I was hoping with Destiny Two, um. Because it's a PVE, you know, it's a PVE game. It's it's a it's a loot based game. It's got these MMO aspects to it that that I like a lot. It's made by a developer that I like a lot. I've always been a big fan of Bungie, uh, and and you know, and the Halo series. I never played Destiny One because it was obviously on consoles, and I don't, I, you know, uh, and I don't I don't partake in lowly consoles anymore. Um, <clears throat> um, and I've always been a big fan of PVE shooters. Like I've talked about Payday so many freaking times on this podcast. You know what I mean? Like, and I was really hoping in my in my heart of hearts that I would find in Destiny Two like a new a new Payday, right? A Payday that I could get on in the same way that like we would all get on with with uh, you know with all of us, um, and we would get together and we would like mow down aliens. Um, I think at the end of the day. Uh, <sighs> Destiny 2 uh, falters um, because it is not, it's not a pure distillation of any of those things, right? In the same way that I think Total War Warhammer 2 takes, you know, real time and, and squads and, you know, campaign elements from all over the kind of strategy genres and merges them into a, a, a superior amalgamation, right? It is not as deep as any of those other games. The campaign mechanics are not as deep as Europa Universalis, right? Um, <clears throat> the battle mechanics are not as deep as something like StarCraft, you know, where you have to be managing an economy and, and fighting your battles side by side right you know the squad stuff is not as deep as as XCOM right but it takes the the appropriate pieces from each of those um combines them to, into something that is greater than the sum of its parts I feel like Destiny uh took from all of the you know it took gunplay it took MMO elements uh it took PvE shooter gameplay and it kind of crumpled under the weight of all of those um, and ultimately kind of fell by, ultimately kind of fell by the wayside. Uh, well, this wasn't helped by the way that Bungie was, you know, monetizing the game, um, you know, releasing an expansion a month later, right? Um, that outmoded the content, though I guess they've, they've walked that back or something. Yeah, they walked yeah. it back a little bit. It outmoded. Yeah, you know, they, they, preventing people from grinding the game by, you know, uh, cracking down on these on their on their experience rates and everything like that just like just there, like I, I i can't help but walk away from destiny 2 being like you know what i'm okay i put i put plenty of hours into this one and uh, and i'm out you know what i mean yeah i totally feel that you know also locking a lot of kind of like the, the cooler content behind uh you know uh, uh loot boxes uh from the eververse store rather than being kind of uh, you know, rewards for raids or whatever, which is what what a lot of people wanted. It it, it is so close in a lot of ways uh, that you know I, I I have to agree with you. It, it was it was a, a super disappointing game, um, and uh, 
I would give Destiny 2 my most disappointing game of the year, but for one larger disappointment, a game so disappointing that I didn't buy it. Uh, and that's <laughs> going to go to... Uh, 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 it's going to go to Shadow of War. Um, wow, yeah. Uh, like, I was so hyped for this game. I believe I expressed my hype uh, on many episodes leading up to it. I was... On board, I was like, you know, like the, the starry-eyed fanboy. I was watching every single live stream. I remember. I was, I was super pumped for everything that was coming out of that game. Um, until, like, right around the time they started announcing the monetization stuff, I was like, oh. Oh, it's going to be this. Oh, no. And it just kind of was like a, uh, a, a downhill slope from there. Like, you know, I'm not going to comment on the game because, like I said, I didn't. I ended up not buying the game. I'm going to wait for it to go on sale before I get it. Um, and maybe it's not as bad as, as you know, kind of like the impressions gave, but the fact that they were able to so completely and utterly destroy my enthusiasm for the game uh, is just kind of telling, right? And, you know, if I mm -hmm. want to expand this, like, I'm kind of disappointed in, in the AAA game industry as a whole, you know, there's this, there's this, there's Battlefront 2, there's the Destiny 2 microtransaction issues, there's even, uh, you know, kind of, like, issues with this shaping around PUBG, because uh, it also has, like, the, the, the key and crate-based loot boxes. Um, uh, you know, just kind of, like, uh, a, a willingness to kind of, like, try and adopt the, the sleaziest the, the skeeziest elements from mobile games um and put them in um and, and to kind of give it a a positive turn uh the fact that uh gamers at some level put their foot down and said we're not going to do this i think is heartening i think maybe we'll be able to to to, to win back some ground uh you know not to get like dramatic about it or anything yeah yeah but uh you know uh <clears throat> You know, uh, kind of all of that disappointment uh, just kind of, for me, wraps up and focuses itself in Shadow 4 because I really wanted to love that game. Or, you know, I it was a game that I, I you know, was looking forward to for close to a year that just evaporated uh, mm -hmm. uh, on top of itself. So, yeah. Uh, Fair enough. Yeah, geez. Um, so... Uh, I'm kind of starting from the game with this one and moving backwards. And I, there's a couple ways I can go with this, but I think I'm going to go, go with, uh, kind of most unique is, is probably the way I'm going to express this. And I'm going to give it to Cuphead. Um, uh, and I want to give it to it because not because the gameplay is anything astounding, but because they brought back that style of animation and they looked at it and they recognized that it could make a kick-ass game. And even though, you know, maybe it wasn't worth it to spend like, f what was it, like four years, like doing hand animation right, right, of right, a game, yeah. like they recognized that that would be cool enough that it was worth the effort. Um, uh, so may may maybe I'll change this instead of most unique, like best vision. Best Vision, I think, is, is probably a better way to, Ooh, to express that. That is an interesting way to express that. No, but yeah. I'm super down. I really yeah, because, like, like, you know, it is beautiful, and I don't want to take away from that, but the fact that they looked at it, decided decided that, you know, despite all the challenges with it, they were going to go for it anyway to capture the nostalgia and the excellence 
it was worth it. I, I think I think it deserves recognition above and beyond the, the technical talent. Um, and uh, the game is excellent, just, you know, on top of it, right? Like, it's not like they made a beautiful game that plays terribly. They balanced it well. Um, uh, the, the characters, be, you know, partly because the art style of the characters are all memorable. It's super difficult, and I love it. And it is um, well... Well, well thought out, well done, and you know, excellently animated. And I want to give kudos to them for following through on something that you know may that, that wasn't you know the, the most efficient or whatever, but but definitely fulfill uh, fulfilled on a very specific vision that um, would, would otherwise be un, untenable without a lot of dedication and uh, and, and effort. Yeah, I feel like I'm going to give best vision to uh, Star Wars The Last Jedi. We obviously Oof, had a whole episode yeah. on this. Um, I love uh, Star Wars The Last Jedi. Um, I, I saw it again uh, with Rachel, which has kind of changed my... It's changed my opinion about it a bit in some ways. Um, but I actually still hold true that I think it is the best Star Wars uh, that we've ever gotten, just because it really reaches for the stars you know what i mean it tries and it it wants it so bad and does I really it reach that. for the star wars <laughs> yeah um and uh and you know uh, there's plenty to nitpick about shit like this and i feel like as a you know like as a, as, a, as a film going culture i think we we get into the nitpicks um and that's and th you know like that's one way to play it but i really want to reward this one for really you know if there is anything that tried its fucking hardest this year I feel like it was Star Wars: The Last Jedi, and so it gets the it so it it earns it it earns it um, off of that. I want to do as much of a lightning round as I possibly can. Um, do you have a best session uh, of 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 like a like an RPG that we played this year? Uh, yeah, I mean, we're, we're gonna are we gonna go for the full hour and a half with with this? I we, we could would. if we wanted to be honest with I, you. I uh, figured we would. I don't I don't think the the Derpies needs a, a back half. Fair uh, enough. Okay, because uh, so my favorite session um, uh, that that we played uh uh that we played this year is probably at uh gen con um that well you and i didn't play this together um but uh it's probably at gen con it's the one where i played for the the diversity group i can't even remember what they're called right it was it was a um, 5e game though right yeah, yeah it was it was my very first game playing playing 5e or whatever um but it was run by and it was and and the, the way i got into the game for people who don't who don't remember is <clears throat> I was just looking to play 5e because I never played 5e before and I really wanted to, right? And uh, and so I ended up finding a game at under the ba under this banner of like diversity in games, um, which was all about kind of increasing representation, right? And thinking about you know what I mean, like not just playing the the, the same standard stuff and and bringing kind of like social justice causes, right? Um, as as metaphor into. Um, uh, like into the gaming space, and I played this with a bunch of other, a uh, bunch of our friends, um, and uh, and and one woman who was just like completely random, um, and it was just such a different experience from what I normally get out of uh, out of like Dungeons and Dragons. And I felt myself um, making character, making decisions because, like, because there was such a there, there was such a premium being placed on my character. My character was gay. Um, there was such a premium being placed on kind of like these aspects of your character, right? And playing something that you wouldn't normally play, right? Um, and leaning into so hard, like leaning into that stuff so hard. Uh, I, it was just insanely rewarding, I felt like. Um, and, uh, and, and really stuck out <coughs> for my experiences um, 
overall this year. It's probably one of the only games that I've played where I really, like, bottom up felt like um, I played that whole thing front to back without any inkling of metagaming whatsoever, right? I wanted to create the best story possible, and I wanted to really embody this character. Um, I felt like from, like, even like an acting position, right, insofar as playing an RPG is like an acting thing, um, I felt like I was... Uh, that was, this was like the best performance I had ever given. Um, and so I really wanted to call attention to that as best RPG session for my year. Yeah. Um, geez, what, what do I want to give this to? Um, we played, uh, so I think I'm going to give it to the... First session of Starfinder West. Um, not because, you know, not because I think it was particularly uh, exceptional um, in what happened in the session. It was fairly standard, but kind of like the kind of new car smell of really diving into Starfinder. Um, of just kind of rooting around and feeling the mechanics and kind of building... Uh, the character and having it actualized, having to actualize in a way that like, you know, the game opens up with like combat and it's a fairly simple combat, but it's kind of enough to kind of be like, this is a new game and it's different and there are cool things you can do with like your, your, your space spider that has like a, a laser cannon or like your, your robot that does trick attacks or whatever. Um, and just seeing that all come together. Um, also with like a, a relatively, uh, newer group of people or not, uh, like a, a a new grouping of people, um, uh, you know, kind of mix of, of different people together combined with the new GM and Jimmy, I thought was, just, I think it's just a ball of fun. Um, it's also a game that's a little bit less serious than the games we typically play. Um, at least kind of, you know, like the, we decided that the game was going to be a little bit goofier on its face. Um, and I'm really enjoying that. And, and, you know, it really came, it really started with that session, you know, I had an idea for what my character wanted to be, and he instantly became this kind of, like, very firebrand, very easy-to-agitate kind of character that was at odds with Mark's character, and, and I just, I, I love it. Uh, I love, it. like, that first session just kind of encapsulates it all, so I'm going to give it, I mean, that first session of Starfinder West. Uh, yeah, I guess it's back to me. Uh, I'm going to put up a nominee for... Uh, this is going to sound weird, but I'm going to call, uh, best, best time fill. So, so the concept I'm going for is best game that you can play while listening to a podcast. That's exactly what it is for me. Cause that's what I do with it. I'm going to sell again for this. Um, but I'm going to go with dead cells. Um, dead cells is an excellent game on its own. Um, it is a roguelike type game where you, you go, you kill enemies, you get, it's technically an early access, so, you know, it's not quite fully out, but it's, what's there is great. Um, you kill enemies, you get, like, cells which you have to upgrade things, and you find recipes, you can unlock new weapons and whatnot, and you just kind of keep playing through and progressing, and, uh, it's, it's a very mechanics-focused game without a lot of, like, need to be kind of, like, active brain in there at the moment, uh, because a lot of Twitch reflexing type stuff. Um, and it's an, it's an amazing game. It's a lot of fun. It's 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 got a lot of depth to the mechanics. Um, and it's great because I could turn off the volume, 
put in the headset, put in my headset, listen to some podcasts, and uh, play away and have a great time. So yeah, best game to play while listening to a podcast is Dead Cells for me. Yeah, I mean uh, the the obvious answer for me is World of Warcraft. Um, I really have to give it to, to to World of Warcraft Legion. I did not think I would ever fall back into WoW as hard as I have. Um, Ever again, you know what I mean? When I was playing at the end of Wrath of, uh, of the Lich King, right, um, which uh, until Legion I really would have said was like the best, you know. Most people say that the best expansion is whatever expansion they were deepest in the game on, right? A lot of people say Vanilla was the best. A lot of people say BC was the best, you know what I mean? Um, and I was the most into the game uh, in Wrath, and now I guess I'm the most into the game in, in Legion or whatever. Um, but I really feel like, at, you know, I always have to have a game like this um, that I can just play and be do, you know what I mean? Just like a low-level grind, whatever it is, right? And be watching something or, like, listening to something, right? So that I can make sure... Uh, uh, so, you know what I mean? Like, it's not enough to really, like, capture my full, full attention, but it's something that I can put Parks and Rec on my other screen, right? And, you know, when I'm flying from point A to point B, I just take 30 seconds and I watch it, you know what I mean? Or I put Man of Steel on, on the other screen and, oh, it's the, you know what I mean? Like, it's the Superman Zod fight and I want to watch it, right? I just get on my flying mount and I fly up 20 feet above the ground and I just hang out for four minutes, you know what I mean? Like, that, it, it is the most casual, uh, it's the most casual game that I play and it's just... I don't know. It's just it's just great. I'm sure that's not a controversial answer. I've been talking about this. Uh, I've been talking about this all year. Um, okay. Uh, what is... Uh, <clears throat> you know, I was actually going to go at this from a different angle. Um, what's the worst thing that you saw this year? Like, the your blood boil, bottom of the list, right? You know what I mean? The biggest disappointment, I feel like, is something that, like... You had high hopes for, and they didn't get there, you know? But this is just, like, what was bad? What was just the baddest of the bad bads that uh, that you saw this year? Uh, for me, I hope this doesn't surprise anybody. It's Ghost in the Shell. What an awful movie. I've really, I've really soured on that movie a lot. I think I kind of said that it was a little bit more mediocre at the time. But as time has gone on, man, Jesus Christ, like, what an uninspired piece of shit really hate that movie <laughs> like 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 now that um i've come at it from the other side i understand how people can you know like like i understand people not liking movies with um you know uh like like this is the bvs model right where like it tries really hard but it misses the mark and therefore it just like is bad you know what i mean like like bvs won all these razzies or whatever last year which is like the opposite of the oscars right um and it got a lot of attention for that or whatever but i feel like really at the end of the day the most insidious movies you know like the most insidiously awful movies are the movies like this right or the or, or like the emoji movie is also right here you know um where it's just like uninspired complete just like cash in garbage nobody gave a shit nobody cared about this right that's what that's what pisses me off so much about something like like ghost in the shell at least with something like you know what I mean? Like, 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 like with Death Note, right? You could tell the guy cared. He gave a fuck. He tried, right? And at least he gets that out of out of a movie like Death Note. I can't recommend Death Note as a good movie. It's not. It's got a lot of problems, right? But at least somebody really worked their hardest to to put that shit on screen. Nobody worked to put Ghost in the Shell on screen. I it, it was just like, a, oh God, fuck that movie. <laughs> uh, so. 
I am also going to give it to Ghost of the Shell. Um, and I'm going to continue on with your rant because not only did no one care, but um, it is a complete and utter betrayal of what is an otherwise excellent and defining cyberpunk series. And it is such like a stain on the, on the existing property's legacy that it's worse than just being a, a property that nobody cared about. Like the emoji, like the emoji movie is kind of like no one gave a shit. This one actively shit on something that was great. And that just makes it so much worse to me. Right. And like, you know, and like, again, just to, to, to go back to your point, you know, it, it's not like it was something, somebody that tried and was bad, like death note. This is something where they took something that was, that was truly great and innovative and just shit all over it. Um, <laughs> In a, in a way that was like, you know, you know, I, I in a way that's just like, I, it, it's mind-boggling, um, and it's 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 just so it's just so it's so bad. I don't know. It, 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 I, I I can't I can't even, buddy. I can't even. I'm turning into <laughs> a, a, a tween girl at this point just because it, it's. There is so much awesomeness in what is Ghost in the Shell in the manga and in the 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 standalone complex uh, series, um, and the and the, the the even even the weird second movie. There's so much cool stuff there, and this this movie is just so, bleh, uh, uh, yeah. Uh, it's. I think this might be the first time we've both given the same answer to a question. That's true. Uh, That's true. Uh, I mean, I typically try and vary it up, but I don't know, man. Ghost in the Shell just yeah. like stuck in my brain. Yeah. And no, I just, I, I just hate it so much. Absolutely. <laughs> um. All right. Uh, I'm gonna go with. Uh, this is gonna be. Uh, oh, so. I'm gonna say, best innovation in an otherwise established genre um and this is sounds weird but i'm going to give it to in tekken 7 there is this feature where uh under certain conditions um like the moves that could end the fight like instead of like just playing out regularly it's, it goes into like slow-mo and zooms in on like the limbs going past each other and like uh you get these really cool moments where like arms just kind of like go past each other and they either hit and the match is over or they just go past each other and it keeps going and it is so hype um it makes watching the watching Tekken 7 matches like if you watch like the Evo finals or whatever it makes that so so awesome it makes it so cool to watch it makes it so cool I haven't played a ton but when it happens in games it is it is so awesome and it's not even like a mechanical thing right it's a purely visual thing I think it is so much um, it's such a little thing, but it does so much for like making the game feel awesome. Um, and so I, I really want to I, uh, I want to give it to uh, Tekken Seven uh, 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 tense moment slowdown is what I'm going to call it. Boy, that's a tough one. That is a tough. That's a tough one. You know what I'm going to give it to? Um, I'm going to give it to War for the Planet of the Apes. Um, just cause I want to highlight this movie, uh, for, you know what I mean? Like in like, in like, or for the planet of the apes, it's not better than Dawn, which is the second movie in the franchise, right? Rise, then Dawn, then War. 
Um, and, uh, uh, I think Dawn of the Planet of the Apes is one of the best, is just, like, one of the best movies, uh, that's come out in the past couple of years, or whatever. Uh, but War for the Planet of the Apes had the same kind of, um, you know, the motion capture stuff with Caesar, and then with Steve Zahn's character, um, Bad Ape. Uh, there's just, like, the, I, I was really impressed by my ability to kind of, like, empathize and experience pathos with these like with these creatures right like i feel like andy circus has been on this right like ticket ever since uh gollum in the lord of the rings which is almost like 20 years ago at this point that's insane 15 years ago right and then he did king kong which i thought hey, you know he was great as king kong in that movie um even though he was just an ape at that point um and then we kind of got like you know like the jungle book last year uh and it maybe has culminated here in war for the planet of the apes um because even though dawn is like a better movie like structurally uh just like the ability to have a close-up on caesar's face or bad apes face and for like an actor to be emoting but that to be trans like like transferring to a performance if that makes sense um is just really awesome and cool uh, and I think it opens up a lot of really neat things for, you know, like science fiction to, uh, or fantasy, you know, um, uh, to be doing, uh, in the future. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like we'll have, uh, we'll eventually kind of like have like a big breakout kind of like avatar, you know, like level movie, um, that will kind of codify this stuff, um, in a really like big thorough, you know, in a, like a big thorough way, um, so yeah, yeah, I guess that's that, yeah. Um, so the, uh, this one's a little off the beaten path. Uh, who's like your, like, person, like, your, like, undiscovered person of the year kind of thing? I've spent a lot of this year, like, on, 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 like, YouTube and stuff like that, and, like, obviously, like, reading, like, articles and stuff like that, and I wanted to, and I wanted to highlight somebody that I, that I discovered this year, though he's been making, you know, videos for a lot longer. Uh, he's a YouTuber named Sideways. Um, and he's a guy with a music degree. Like, he has a degree in, like, music theory. Uh, but w something that he does is break down kind of, like, the musical aspects of, like, movies or TV or, like, video games. Uh, he actually does some really interesting stuff talking about, like, the way that video games do, you know, do music, right? Um, and, uh, <clears throat> you know, he just did one about how, um, like, Ray's theme in Star Wars has all of the, like, if you do it, if you do stuff to it, like, Ray's theme backwards sounds like Kylo Ren's theme, right? Um, and Ray's theme, like, inverted or something, you know what I mean? Like, sounds like Darth Vader, you know what I mean? Like, all of these different things. Um, and that was mostly a reflection of they didn't know where they were going with the future of Star Wars, right? So John Williams just kind of programmed in a lot of possibilities to, like, Ray's, to, like, Ray's theme, um, and even though I haven't really felt like the new Star Wars uh, music has been very good overall, right? Like, you know, like I, I thought the prequels had a lot of really interesting stuff going on that was completely new to the Star Wars franchise, even though they were using stuff like the Force theme, right? Or the Emp uh, the, the Imperial March, um, you know, Anakin's theme has like tons and tons of like kind of musical layers and allusions to, um, um, you know, like the imp like Imperial stuff and like the Emperor's throne room and shit like that. Uh, but Ray's theme has always stuck out. I always thought Ray's theme was really great and was, uh, and, and, and was really awesome. Uh, and it was very neat to see, to see a YouTuber, uh, who was coming at things from, from that angle, right? There's a whole bunch of people who put out a whole bunch of videos, you know, that I, that I think were awesome this year. 
um, you know, uh, H-Bomber guy made a video about why the Sherlock BBC television series is bad that is, like, insanely on point. Um, but, but, uh, the... But sideways, check him out. I think he's great. You'll love him, I bet. Uh, yeah. All right. Um, so it's best undiscovered talent, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so this is going to sound, I'm going to sound like a giant fucking weenie, but, uh, I really have to give it to, uh, I have to give it to, uh, the Minute Podcast, our friends over at the Minute Podcast, like, um, week to week, I am continually impressed how they can take a random minute of footage from something and just riff on it. Um, yeah. <laughs> and it is, it is, it is so much fun. I love listening to it. I love the theme song. It gets stuck in my head. Um, I love, I love just kind of like John's, uh, like, uh, uh, straight man to, to, to Mike's kind of absurdism. It's, uh, I don't know. It, to me, it's perfect. And, you, you know, full disclosure, uh, you know, we, we went to college with, 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 uh, with, with Mike, but, uh, it's, it, it is something that is truly charming that, uh, you know, is, is great content and more people should go and listen to it. I, I really, I, I know I sound like, like, like a, like a weenie, but I really think that more people should go, go watch or go listen to it. It's, it, it's really excellent. I'm just glad that we have a, we have a good rival podcast after the other oh, fell off. Oh yes. boy. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, how many times, how many times have we lapped the unwise index, Ooh. right? Like this is episode, what? 117. Ooh. The unwise index has, has like, uh, oh my God. Uh, why can't I? I have to change my, my answer for most, for most disappointing. To <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Wow. That is some for failing to come back. <laughs> Didn't they say that they were going to come back in 2017? Uh, yeah, they might have. And that's, if they did, the more than... Oh, they more... did. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay, so I do want to give them credit where credit is due. They did come back. Their, their most recent episode, Too Many Buckets, released on March 17th of 2017. Uh, so I will say, you know, kudos. Well, well, yeah. well, well fucking done, you guys. Uh, um, I'm only supporting because I, I love you. Yeah, yeah, the other thing I will say is that at 19 episodes... Uh, we have lapped them five times <laughs> um, <laughs> with our with our weekly podcast. Uh, yeah. All right. Um, so I've got I've got one. Um, so uh, in 2017, we saw a lot of people uh, fall from grace, um, and I want to hear from you. What's oh. the one that affected you the most personally? Um, and I'm going to go with uh, Doctor Disrespect. Um, because he's, he, you know, his content was so much fun to watch. He had such a cool online personality. Um, you know, he really kind of like, you know, he, he was gaining traction in kind of the world. Like he, he was getting to the point where like normal people kind of knew who he was. He won, uh, internet personality of the year. Um, and you know, he, he felt like kind of like a normal dude who had kind of made it, um, and was 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 great about and it, it was so much it was so much fun uh to, to kind of follow along uh with his antics um and you know kind of like a like a a, a new face to, to to twitch especially with a lot of kind of like some of the bad stuff that happened in kind of like the the, the streaming video space this year um uh well you know between like you know uh the, the, the various apocalypses and whatnot um, and then he went and cheated on his wife, uh, and threw it all away and, you know, just, you know, proved to everyone that, you know, maybe 
that wasn't such a character at all. Um, and that he's not the greatest guy. And th that just personally really hit me uh, in a way that that that, that disappointed me. Uh, so I'm going to give it to, to, to Dr. Disrespect. Boy, that is a tough one. That's like an insanely tough one. Um, <clears throat> see, because kind of my... <sighs> I feel like I want to say someone like... Uh... Man, this is so hard. Because there's actually a whole bunch of them. You know what I mean? And, and it's hard not to be... Uh... It's hard not to be disappointed in this stuff, right? Uh, probably the one that hit me the hardest didn't actually hit me this year. It hit me last year. You and I have talked about this a whole bunch. Uh, but there is a there was a real prominent uh, film critic by the name of Devin Faraci. And he was actually kind of, in a lot of ways, he's kind of like the er story of this. Um, because, you know, essentially, you know, sexual assault allegations came out against him on Twitter. Yeah. Um, and he kind of faded. Uh, like, he immediately left kind of everything. He stepped down as editor-in-chief of his um, of his website uh, or whatever. Uh, but something that actually happened later on this year, and I don't know if you caught any of this, is that one of the big film festivals was handled by the owner of his old publication, a guy by the name of Tim League, right? Um, uh, essentially, Fantastic Fest, which is just like a big film festival in Texas, right? Um they it was eventually found out that after he stepped out as editor in chief, um, Devin got rehired by Tim League uh, a couple of months later, um, just like as a just like as a copywriter in the organization. Right. Uh, this then got outed as part of Fantastic Fest because people started to see his email on stuff again uh, or whatever. He he wasn't writing anything, you know, like he wasn't doing anything in the, in a kind of in a public space. But once that got out, um, it really quickly kind of relitigated like the 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 case. Um, like over, right? And a lot of questions got asked. A lot of publications said stuff about this, right? Like, at what point do you know female film critics that are going to Fantastic Fest, right? Like, at what point do they need to be confronted with this stuff all over again, right? Uh, but to me, the the interesting question has kind of always been like, at what point do we forgive and move on? You know what I mean? Like, right. is he is, like, are we making pariahs out of these people? And, and where do we kind of seek forgiveness? Right. Yeah. Um, he put, he ended up putting a post on medium that was kind of talking about the process that he went through. Right. Uh, where he kind of said that, you know, he joined essentially like a 12 step program and he was doing a lot of stuff that he felt like he could do um, to, you know, like to make amends and make himself like a better, you know, like make himself like a, like a, like a better person and stuff like that. Uh, he also had a background in like community activism and like outreach and stuff like that. And, and so he kind of like went back into, in, into that kind of stuff. Um, but that one hit me so hard because I didn't realize what I was doing, which was kind of get, getting, um, uh, a parasocial relationship with somebody, which is kind of like, uh, you know, the, the, the funny, the, the funny aspect of this is like that one photo of a bunch of people sitting, it's like, it's like an ad or something. And a bunch of people are sitting and they're eating ice cream and they're laughing. And then there's someone else 
who is sitting next to the photo of it laughing and it's and it's like you know this is what listening to a podcast is like yeah yeah yeah. yeah. it's it's like a meme and it's funny or whatever but like there's actually something a little bit insidious there where it's like you feel like you know these people personally right and you feel like they are your you know what i mean like they are your friends you care about them like they're somebody that you know but you don't know them right that is a one-way relationship and it is ultimately destructive uh because at the end of the day even though i have a lot of sympathy and empathy for this guy i don't know him right and i don't have any conception for what kind of person he is at the end of the day he's a film critic that i think i mean i don't even agree with him he's the guy that wrote the article that said Zack snyder hates superman which i completely disagree with right like on, on as from a from like a uh like an ideological standpoint i think he misses the mark or whatever but i think he's interesting and i think he sees interesting things right and has interesting opinions and i uh and i uh um i realized that um i was too invested in that as being something you know what i mean like as being something that i wanted in like a like a friendship kind of relationship right like i want to be friends with interesting people who make me think about stuff right um and uh and who we can talk and discuss things with or whatever and i felt like and and i was almost emulating that kind of relationship and it was that that made me be like wait hold on you gotta you know what i mean you gotta kind of check yourself or whatever um and so in in the same way you know even people that uh uh like even people like other people that i like like for instance max landis had yeah, a bunch yeah. of um and there's you know, yeah, allegations. yeah they're, they're just yeah. they're they're allegations or and you know nothing has ever been substantiated in kind of an official context but the, the same thing was true with Devin, right like nothing was ever substantiated there it was just someone on twitter said a thing um and it kind of blew up from there or whatever but um but that was the thing that taught me to kind of be like these people are not your friends they are that you can like these people like you can like the content that they put out right and find their you know opinions interesting and everything like that without getting any more kind of emotionally invested in that yeah uh, absolutely um and you know i i I will highlight that one of the differences is that uh different uh like like cop to it right like he he kind of uh he he Apollo, like he 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 admitted that he did it or something. If I remember correctly, to, to, what he did was he said, "I had no memory of this, oh, right? okay. but I believe that you, you know, like I believe in believing in victims, right? So okay. at the end of the day, the only thing I can do is is believe you and you know be better, right? Okay. Um, but yeah, no, that's that's I I think that's totally fair. Um, this is a yeah. very interesting kind of perspective, right? Like, you know, I definitely agree that there are these uh, the parasocial relationship stuff and. Uh, you know, I think kind of at least my own reticence to kind of like throw Max Landis under the bus. Um, you know, I I kind of never agree with Devarachi. I I disagree with him on a lot of different things. And so I was happy to be like, haha, what an asshole! You know, lie in your grave. And I'm less willing to do that with with Max Landis. And, and you know, uh, it's it's part of that kind of parasocial thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel that now. And it's a tough thing to it's a tough thing to get over, especially in like the internet age. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. Like, it becomes very easy to get, uh, you know, to feel like when somebody is talking to a camera, when somebody is vlogging to a camera, like Logan Paul is looking at the camera. It's like, he's looking at you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, There's actually a boogie actually put up a video very recently where apparently someone, um, like was like, somebody said like, boogie's not the person he pretends to be on his vlog. And boogie's response was no fucking shit. Right. Like (laughs) I am trying to be like the person I am on the, he, to summarize, he's a, he says that the person he is on the vlog is the person he wants to be. Um, 
and, and tries to be the most, but isn't isn't the person he always is. And, and, and I, I think kind of in, in the reverse kind of way, you know, to kind of like, you know, not to excuse the terrible behavior, but, you know, also remember that the people on the other side of the camera are, are humans too with flaws and with, uh, and, and, you know, that's the, the greatest behaviors either. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping, uh, I think right now, like I'm actually... Uh, I'm very glad that a lot of this has come out, especially with people like Kevin Spacey and Harvey Weinstein. Like to me, there is a pretty like there there's there's orders of magnitudes to this right. stuff, right? Um, and um, and you know the the allegations against someone like Devin Faraci or against somebody like Max Landis are less serious to me uh, than somebody like Harvey Weinstein, right? Um, and so even though there's a big part of me that wants to kind of have a conversation that's a little bit in the same vein of like. At what point are we ready for, like, forgiveness, if that makes sense? Um, right? Like, I think people can make mistakes, right? And I think that they can earn forgiveness uh, for that or whatever. Um, but also at the same time, right, like, I don't know that I can ever forgive, you know, uh, like Woody Allen, right, for being a pedophile and probably, you know, and the allegations of, right, uh, sexually molesting his his daughter you know what i mean like that's not that's just like there there's a there's a certain line at which you say yep what harvey weinstein he's never coming back he does yeah. not deserve to come back kevin spacey does not deserve to come back right um Lucy but you know K? maybe yeah right like yeah exactly somebody there is a line somewhere and i don't think we're at a point when we're gonna we're gonna find it right we're probably not going to see any of this stuff for like two or three years at most right um, yeah, but uh, uh, I, I I am interested to kind of see where it all ends up, uh, kind of down like kind of down the line. Yeah, I mean, just go back to my other answer. I'm interested to see what happens when Doctor Disrespect comes back. Uh, is what he happens coming back? He? I I have to assume he I have to assume he is at some point because um, I think either like I I I don't I don't know I, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see if he does. Um, his stuff is his stuff is a lot more personal and a lot less kind of like, like there, there's there's nothing against him that's like sexual assault. It was he cheated on his wife, which you know I personally have a strong stance on being terrible, uh, but like it's not like a is the it, it, it's 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 a different type of thing, right? Like he could come back and there's no kind of like it's a shitty thing to do, but it's not like it's not a sexual assault, right? Like yeah. his his relation his cheating was consensual. Um, yeah, I mean it's the same thing with like like Joss Whedon, right? Like, yeah. Joss Whedon had similar allegations come out this year, right? But he isn't really looped in with the same kind of, yeah. you know. I didn't even think, you know, like I didn't even think about it. Uh, but uh, uh, I also think, you know, I don't know. I I I am interested to see kind of uh, where we end up at the end of this, uh, especially because like just like the gigantic shakeup that is happening kind of at all times. Uh, I feel like, you know, Amazon, for instance, just like lost like one of its big giant executives um, because of all this. And so people are trying to fill in the gaps. Right. Uh, and there's a, there's a lot of uncertainty about, about all of it coming out. I feel like there are a couple of people though, that like, if I did, like if somebody comes out and it's like, yep, like Zack Snyder did whatever, I would just lose my shit. I don't know that I would be able to, 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 to disassociate myself with like him or like Denis Villeneuve or like any of these other directors that I really respect really highly. Yeah, yeah, no, that would that would I don't know. I, I was I was just thinking that as terrible as it's gonna sound, if someone was like Wes Anderson was like real weird, I'd be like, yeah, I kind of expected that. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, um, so I want to end really quickly, lightning round on what's your most anticipated, th- you know, like for next for like for next year, what's or this year coming up? Uh, what's what's on the what's on the docket for you? Uh, well, you, you start while I think about this for a second. Uh, from a movie perspective, obviously James Wan Aquaman comes out uh, at the end of the year in December. I am insanely hyped and really interested to see kind of where they go with it. Uh, I'm really nervous because, like, I think there are kind of two ways you can look at it. One of them is that, like, Aquaman is kind of like Wonder Woman, right? It's in the hands of a trusted filmmaker. It's a smaller film, less, you know what I mean? It's it's budgeted much more appropriately. Um it's in the hands of, of somebody who has a really proven kind of track record. And so I don't think like the studio is going to have the same kind of like impetus to kind of like fuck with things. Uh, but, uh, but I also think that there is, uh, there's shakeup at DC. They just replaced the top producer in the company with, uh, with another guy. And maybe, uh, and maybe that will, I don't know. Maybe that will not come to fruition. And then from a game's perspective, I'm really hyped. Well, okay. I'm obviously hyped for battle for Azeroth which comes out in 2018 at some point, but we really don't know the the release date, but there's really not a whole lot to say about that. Uh, what there is something to say about is Battletech coming out, published by Paradox. It got pushed back, uh, but I'm still super into it. Uh, Battletech, I think, was a Kickstarter project that got picked up um, as a as a kind of like tactical strategy game or whatever. Um, there are a couple of trailers uh, and like a little bit of like gameplay footage, but everything I've seen of it, I'm just like, oh my god, I need this, <laughs> right? Like, I'm just really, I'm just really interested to see uh, to see where it goes. So yeah, yeah. Um, I'm uh, this year more than any other year. I am less kind of like hype about things which is weird for me because like I, I usually have like a backlog of things that i'm really looking forward to um oh uh, this is one that i'm this game wise it's definitely gonna be sea of thieves um that, oh man that's a good one yeah um just because um i keep forgetting about it but like i anticipate like just like Getting a handful of us together and having the greatest, derpiest fucking adventures. Yeah, for like, real. Like, the thing that sold me on the game was, like, the footage they showed where somebody climbs into the cannon and launches themselves out. And I was like, that's going to be, like, the number one fucking thing that, like, gets us killed and we're going to fucking, like, laugh our asses off while doing it. So, Sea of Thieves is, it's March. Uh, I'm super pumped for that on the uh, on, on the game's front. So, I'm, uh, I'll give it to that. And then for, for movies... Um, Huh. I don't know if I've got... Uh, oh, it's coming out. Black Panther, Avengers Infinity War, uh, the Han Solo movie. Do, do you like Jurassic World? Jurassic World 2 is coming out. Uh, Ready Player One, Deadpool, uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp. Ooh, I really Maybe love the Ant-Man. Yeah, that Pacific, lo- Pacific Rim Uprising. Ooh, that's, that's another good one. I'm excited for. I'm sure, I, I think our February will actually be, because I bet we're going to do uh, Black Panther, and I bet we're going to do Pacific Rim, and I think those are both in February. Uh, so you know, you, know what I'll, you know what I'll give it to, just because I'm a, a fan of the director? I will give it to uh, Isle of Dogs. Oh, oh The Wes Anderson enough. film. Yeah. Uh, like, uh, you know, I thought that, Wes Anderson couldn't have made a more Wes Anderson film than Grand Hotel, uh, Grand Budapest Hotel, um, <laughs> but Isle of Dogs looks like it's going like. Whereas I, I, Isle of Dogs, I'm actually a little bit apprehensive about because I feel like it might tip over the edge into like too absurd. Um, but uh, you know, I, I have faith that Wes Anderson will will handle it well. 
Uh, so, uh, yeah, that's, that's Isle of Dogs for me on the movie front. Uh, yeah, and I, and, uh, I think that's all we have time for. It's a great way to end the podcast. I'm most sounds, been... Yeah, I, I'm very excited for 2018. I hope 2018 is great. I'm also very glad, can I just say real quick, I'm also very glad that we didn't mention the fact that 2017 was, like, awful. Everybody's year-end list was like, 2017 was, like, a garbage fire year, but here's all, like, the movies and shit that came out of it. 2017 uh, was an amazing year for games, right? We I know, I, dude, 2017 on... was an amazing year for movies. Do you, like, how insane is it that, like, the top, mo- like, that, you know wonder woman the last jedi right blade runner 2049 right like there's just, i just john like there wick were a lot 2. of john wick 2 there's just like all these movies that were really like fighting right guardians of the galaxy volume 2 oh, spider-man homecoming like a lot oh, of movies wow, were really about like, guardians of the galaxy right like they were really fighting for the top spot like so, just a lot of really good yeah. shit came out this year uh logan there were really no stinkers uh from like the superhero uh, I think that's why like Justice League feels so bad because there's no like X Men Apocalypse or like Fantastic Four or whatever to like compare it to. Yeah, uh, Thor Ragnarok was even like a, a trip, yeah yeah right? right. You know what I mean? Like, um, but yeah. Uh, but yeah. So I'm very excited for 2018. I, I hope uh, I, I hope that it lives up to the hype. Uh, yeah, I hope so too. Um, and if you would like to email us with what you think, what you're most excited for 2018, and what your, your thoughts were on things that happened in 2017, feel free to email us at podcast.subnervousplaygames.com or uh, subnervousplaygames at gmail.com. You can follow us and watch us play stuff on uh, twitch.tv slash subnervousplaygames. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter and on SoundCloud and leave us comments everywhere. We love reading them. We love it all. Please write us. We, we, we want you to love us. Uh, I think that's everything that i had buddy do you have anything else that you wanted to promote i had nothing else i'm looking to promote all right in that case until next time dear listeners until next time loyal listeners